Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball, part of the Just Baseball Network. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we have a few big headlines across the minor leagues that I wanted to get to, number one being D.L. Hall getting promoted, which I'm very excited to get into that. It's August 12th, Friday, around 6 o'clock as I'm recording this, so he's set to make his debut for the Orioles tomorrow on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to talk about what you can expect from D.L. Hall because the numbers on the surface don't look spectacular, but where he kind of fits in to the Orioles rotation and why I think he can actually have some success here and why I think the Orioles made the decision to bring him up, aside from the fact that they're trying to make a playoff run right now, a half a game out of the playoffs. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Jordan Walker as I've watched now some of his plays in the outfield, uh, some of the early reads, some of my early takeaways there, uh, a little bit on the Giants organization as a whole because I talked about it in yesterday's episode Very briefly with Jack, that was the episode, of course, where we went through the top 10 rookies in baseball. So if you didn't catch that, go check that one out as well. Uh, But we talked about the top 10 rookies so far this season, how they've performed. But as we were winding down the podcast, I was giving you a look ahead of some things that we can expect next week. And I'd mentioned that we're hoping to get Casey Schmidt, uh, third base slash shortstop prospect in the Giants organization, who hopefully will be able to hop on the show next week. He made the move from third to shortstop, which you almost never see. It's usually shortstop to third. And that's one, a testament to how good Casey Schmidt is defensively and how just athletic and gifted he is with the glove, but also it's a testament to the fact that the giant system is not where it needs to be at the shortstop position specifically. And it kind of prompted me to do a dive more into how the entire Giants organization has been doing this year, uh, where a lot of their 
important prospects have gone development wise, you know, what path they're heading down. And uh, it's not the prettiest one. So I kind of want to talk about some of the issues within the Giants organization in terms of the development of some of their top prospects or lack thereof. And, you know, what that all looks like right now. That was a question that came up also a couple weeks ago in a podcast where I did the mailbag and uh, a Giants fan asked me, you know, what I thought about the entire development. And I thought I gave it some time there, but I didn't realize how bad it was until I revisited this recently and really just started to go down the rabbit hole there, especially as I'm, you know, really starting to get through the final stages here of putting together the top 100 list, some Giants players either that would have been right on the brink of being on it or were higher up in our previous list seem to fall a little bit. And I want to talk about just all of that and and what's going on in that organization there. But let's start with the positive, which is DL Hall getting the promotion. And I wrote something up on JustBaseball.com a little bit more into the nitty gritty of the numbers and, you know, what we can expect from him as a left-hander that has struggled with command really throughout his entire minor league career. And it hasn't gotten much better in a lot of ways. I'll I'll talk about some things that have improved from what I've watched uh, that I think could have given the Orioles a little bit more confidence uh, to promote him. The thing is, is he's just able to get so many swings and misses and strand runners at such a ridiculous clip. He doesn't give up a ton of hard contact that you you feel very confident in the fact that D.L. Hall can get out of jams, but it's different at the big league level. And Hitters are definitely going to challenge Hall to throw strikes beyond just the fastball and locate the secondaries. But the thing is with Hall is, as we saw in the early going with Mackenzie Gore, who did not have the command issues other than, you know, when he lost it for that period of time. But overall, in the larger scale of his minor league career, never really had the command issues to the degree of Hall. And by the time he got promoted, it seemed to have already rectified his command issues that he was going through with, which I really categorize as yips and really something separate from what we're talking about here. Hall is never really been able to uh, keep the walk rate below 10, 12%. Uh, It really has never been below that. He was starting to show signs in 2021 before going down with that elbow stress reaction that limited him him to 31 and two-thirds innings uh, last year in AA, where he was walking, I say, just 12.5% of batters. But now at the AAA level so far this year was walking 14% of batters. Here's the kicker. This dude was punching out 36% of batters. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's 114 Ks in 70 innings. A 4.76 ERA is definitely inflated. If you look at the FIP, it's 4.03. If you look at the XFIP, which is a little bit shaky in the minor leagues, it's still accurate enough. It gives you some sort of indication. 3.58 XFIP there as well. Hall has dominated with his fastball through the minor leagues. And it's really just DL Hall versus DL Hall when it comes to how good he can be. Uh, Because we know that the stuff is up there with any lefty in all of baseball. I I would include major leaguers there. I would put his stuff up there with almost any lefty in major league baseball. That's how good he can be. The fastball sits 96 to 98 miles an hour. He can touch 99, maybe even occasionally grab triple digits. It has a ton of riding life to it, and it's tough to pick up out of his hand. It's a high-spin pitch. He also mixes in a plus slider and a changeup that I think has crossed over to plus territory this year as well. His usage on the pitch has gone up. He's using it now 24% of the time, and no one's touching it. Hitters are just 6 for 70 against his changeup with 41 strikeouts. That's an 086 batting average. Then he also mixes in that slider, which is long been considered his best pitch. Hitters have not been great against it this year, but a little bit better. They're hitting 246, but the contact is not very high quality, and he's still striking out 47% of batters 
on the slider, and then we know the fastball is spectacular in the upper 90s. Those three pitches are enough. He also mixes in a curveball around 78 to 81 miles an hour. That's a good change of pace pitch, and it's just another look that he can give you. If he was around the strike zone a little bit more, he'd arguably be the top pitching prospect in baseball right there with Grayson Rodriguez. But the problem is he's he's not in the zone that much. The fastball, though, has been in the zone more this year. And that is very encouraging. You look at the in-zone rate last year, the heater was around 49%, meaning that 49% of the fastballs he threw were in the strike zone. That's not good. Uh, average is about 55%. So not even close there, really, relative, because 6% is a lot when we're talking about in-zone percentage with a fastball. This year, 60.4% in-zone rate with the fastball. So much, much, much better there. The thing is, though, why are the walk rates still so high? It's really the inconsistency with the secondaries. Too many times when he goes to anything other than a fastball, it's it's a non-competitive pitch. And that's a thing to, to really look at, right, is how often is a pitch basically just a throwaway. If, if you spike a curveball 52 feet, it might as well have been an automated ball uh, that we've seen now in the minor leagues quite a bit because you're not really getting the hitter to, to think about it. If anything, the hitter's more confident that you're not going to go back to that and he can eliminate that pitch uh, and, and knows that you might not have a great feel for it. If, you have, if you're confident enough to go back to it after spiking it 52 feet and locate it, that's another story. Here's the thing, though, is D.L. Hall is kind of that crazy. He will, after throwing a wild pitch, go right back to that offering and, and sometimes mix it in there for a strike. So... He is what you call effectively wild at its finest, and that might work. Uh, and I think that the Orioles are willing to take that chance because D.L. Hall, a former first-round pick, 23 years old, will be 24 by season's end, already on the 40-man roster. And if you look at the Baltimore Orioles, half a game behind the Tampa Bay Rays for the final playoff spot in the American League. They need help in the rotation. In terms of F-War, if you look at fan graphs, the Orioles have the number one bullpen in all of baseball, whether it's number one or number five, based on any other metrics you want to look at, it is an elite bullpen. There's no way around that. Their starting rotation is middle of the pack somehow. I have no idea, especially with John Means being out. No idea how that's been the case. Tyler Wells now hits the shelf, and that was probably one of the more reliable arms this year. And they already didn't really have any lefties once Means went down that they could rely on in the rotation. So one, they need a lefty in there. Two, they need a swing and miss starter. They're one of the lowest strikeout rate rotations in baseball at about 18%. And again, for reference, D.O. Hall was striking out 36% of batters in triple. So really, he was striking out twice as many batters in AAA as the entire Orioles starting pitching staff this season. And look, I don't know if I, I can expect or we can expect D.L. Hall's strikeout rate to maintain at 36% at the big league level, but I can promise you that when he's on, he can rack up strikeouts with the best of them. Last thing I'll talk about here with Hall is that he has shown that already this year, right? He has struck out, I believe it is seven or more batters on nine of his 20 starts, and he has struck out as many as 14 batters in AAA. That was in six innings against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. That's the Marlins AAA affiliate. He's also had starts where he punched out 11 and 10. So this guy, when he's on, can win you a ball game at any level. And that's the big thing that the Orioles, I think, are, are excited about here is there is no pitcher with more upside immediately in this rotation than D.L. Hall. You would hope Grayson Rodriguez was going to be the guy that would debut first. A lat injury has really, you know, 
delayed that debut. I think we would have saw him right around this time. I don't know what the recovery looks like with with Grayson Rodriguez. I know he just recently threw uh, live off of a mound, so that's extremely encouraging. But at the end of the day, they don't want to rush him, so we'll see what happens. I would love to see him get some innings down the stretch, though, because it would be so much fun. But I'd much rather see Grayson Rodriguez healthy. So D.L. Hall gets his chance here. We'll see if a big league pitching coach, I believe the Orioles pitching coach, is Chris Holt, who... I think it's a lot of flack because the Orioles pitching has not been great through the years, but he hasn't been given much talent to work with, uh, no offense, uh, to Orioles pitchers through the years. And I think we're seeing now that a lot of pitchers have made big leaps, and you got to give some credit now to, to Chris Holt. So let's see what he does with D.L. Hall. Maybe there's some mechanical tweaks that he can make here that will allow him to you know, be able to throw some more strikes even if he's fringy with the command, he will be a lights out number three, maybe even a number two type of starter if he's fringy with the command. That's how good this stuff is. I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Walker now, and then we'll wrap up with the Giants system and then also some of the card prices in that Giants system uh, sponsored by eBay and where I'm looking on eBay to pick up some of the prospects that aren't floundering in that organization. So as we know, as you probably know, Jordan Walker of the St. Louis Cardinals is their number one prospect and very comfortably so because of how dominant he has been really from the jump. He's been so darn good since he was drafted and I can't emphasize enough how much the Cardinals recently have just killed, absolutely killed the prep draft ranks, right? I mean, with Jordan Walker, with Mason Wynn, with Tink Hentz now, who is going to be a big riser on our top 100 list. They have done extremely, extremely well. And those are all 2020 guys. That could be one of the best draft classes we've seen in a while. Obviously a lot more work to do, uh, but has as much upside as any draft class I can remember in recent memory. But let's talk about what they're doing with Walker. So Walker is a guy that I have said for a little bit has a chance to stick at third. I, I've been surprised by how well he moves there. The arm is is elite as a guy that threw 95 on the mound, uh, but he's an above average runner. We can see that with the way he's been able to steal some bags and he's going to be blocked at third base for a while because of that Nolan Arenado guy at third, who is one of the best defenders to ever play the game at the hot corner and is not showing any signs of slowing down. Jordan Walker is speeding up his whole process here, right? He is speeding up his track to the big leagues. And the the Cardinals are forced to start to look now and say, okay, where does he fit in? How do we find a spot for Jordan Walker? Part of the reason why I think they were okay with trading Harrison Bader, I don't think it's directly Walker because remember, they also have Lars Nupar, they have Alec Burleson, they have Juan Yepes, other guys that they really need to find ABs for too. But Jordan Walker had to factor into that because we're seeing them use him in the corner outfield now and even center field. Over the last week or so, he's made a pair of starts in left, a pair of starts in center, and three starts in right. When you're hitting the way Jordan Walker is hitting, you're going to find ways, if you're the Cardinals, to try to fit him in within the next year or so into the big league equation because he has not batted an eye at any level. And now at AA, as a guy that just turned 20 years old, He's hitting 302, 387, 503. That's good for a 127 WRC plus, 13 home runs, 16 stolen bases on 21 attempts, not bad at all, as well as a 21% K rate, 11% walk rate. The guy hits the crap out of the ball, a 108 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo, which 
puts him at number one in the entire organization. Uh, the guys behind him, right behind him by a decimal, is Moises Gomez. We know what he can do. And then right behind him is Paul Goldschmidt at 106.8. So for reference there, of course, there's more than just exit velos. But hitting the ball hard usually correlates to success. And the thing is, is Walker's hitting it consistently too. And that is why he is one of the best young hitters in the minor leagues. So how does he look in the outfield? Well, I thought it would look a little bit better in the early going, I'll be honest. But then I realized, when on earth has this guy ever played the outfield? When he wasn't playing in the infield, he was pitching. And I just don't think, even going back to his high school days, that he has played much outfield at all. He had an outfield assist. We saw the arm really show off from the corner. I think it's outrageous that they've even tried him in center because his reads are really rough. And I don't want to be hard on him because I love and admire the fact that, one, the Cardinals are willing to do this, and two, that Jordan Walker's just out there knowing that this is going to be an opportunity for him to get to the big leagues quicker. And the bat will profile in right. He will be phenomenal as a bat in right. His bat plays anywhere. The arm plays in right, no doubt about it. The speed is there, too. He's an above-average runner, should be able to cover plenty of ground in right. It's really just the way he picks up fly balls. And I think he can get there with reps. I think he can definitely get more comfortable there. But right now, the reads are rough. And the reason why I'm talking about this is there might have been a chance that we could see him a bit quicker at the big league level. What if you bring him up to triple and he doesn't stop there? We've seen multiple teams call up guys straight from double. We just saw it happen with Vaughn Grissom, who who we talked about on the last episode. We saw it with Michael Harris. We saw it with Lenin Sosa, even though that was more of an emergency situation. If the Cardinals really needed a bat to help them down the stretch, which right now it doesn't seem like they do, if Jordan Walker looked comfortable enough in the corner, you could maybe make that case. It's not going to happen this year. I would be shocked just because of how rough he looked out there with the reads. That being said, his athleticism still allowed him to make the plays that he needed to make. It just was a little bit rocky. I think that that is the long-term home for him because I do believe that he's going to get comfortable out there. He's unsure. He's just not confident. He'll get more live reads. Fungos aren't going to do it for you. Putting it in a machine and shooting in the air isn't going to do it for you. You got to get the live reads and batting practice. I'm sure he's out there almost every single day. But if he improves and becomes a passable defender in the corner with his ability to play first and play third and the bat and the athleticism overall, that just adds to the allure here as one of the best prospects in baseball. He's going to be a top 10 prospect in our update, and I just love the idea that he has that versatility. Even if he's not great, at least he has the ability to play in multiple spots. If he's going to be an average defender no matter where he plays, which was always the expectation, be average at multiple spots. He's athletic enough to do that, and I'm very interested to see how the development continues and how quick he can learn in the outfield. We've seen he can learn quick as a hitter. Why can't he learn quick as a defender? I'm expecting him to get the hang of things pretty quickly or at least by the end of the season and very interested to see what the long-term plan is for the St. Louis Cardinals there with Jordan Walker but like seeing them already trying to do some new things to get him to the big leagues sooner rather than later which is something that the Cardinals are not afraid of doing we saw them be very aggressive with Nolan Gorman and move him to second base so they will do whatever they can to get their guys to the big leagues and get them ABs there so let's talk about the San Francisco Giants and the way this system has really just taken a step back overall this season I will preface with 
Kyle Harrison has been wonderful. And Kyle Harrison does not really factor into this little rant here because Kyle Harrison is just different. The guy is arguably, or at least for me, he is the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball and has really shown no signs of slowing down now at the AA level, striking out 35% of batters. The walk rate is a bit high at 12.5%, similar to D.L. Hall, a little bit better there. ERA at 283, though, gives up even less contact than Hall did, and the swings and misses are right there in 57 and a third innings, 84 punch outs is just hilarious. So he's been just fine and he's going to continue to be just fine. And I'm a huge fan of everything Kyle Harrison does on the bump headlined by a ridiculous fastball and a pair of great secondary pitches. But you look at the rest of the system and they just have not really made the strides that you would have expected, or at least that I would have expected. I won't speak for anybody here. Uh, Maybe you were expecting Luis Matos to hit 194, but I wasn't. I can tell you that because I really do like Luis Matos. And this has been a head scratcher for me because I was expecting this guy to make a big leap this year. 20 years old, one of the top prospects in baseball coming into the season. We had him ranked as a top 50 guy, outfielder with good speed, good raw power, and great bat-to-ball skills. That's the thing. We're not talking about Marco Luciano being the big power, but you know, high-variance type of guy who's actually shown to be better bat-to-ball this year than Luis Matos. This is somebody that was supposed to be hit tool first with the raw power to dream on and solid athleticism. But after last year where he put up fantastic numbers, at the low A level, a 121 WRC plus at 313, 358, 494, 15 homers and 21 stolen bases. This year, he's slashing 188 Matoses, 266, 316. That's good for a 68 WRC plus in high A. Last year was in low A. So yes, he does rise a level, but man, this is not high A to double A as a 20-year-old. This is low A to high A as a 20-year-old, and you'd expect him to be able to have some success and be able to at least be competitive up there. Right now, he is not even competitive in high A. As you can see in the write-up, the preseason top 100 write-up on Matos, we we did mention, and I did highlight the fact that he's an aggressive hitter with high chase rates, and that's something he'll have to reel in a little bit. And he hasn't done that this year at all. He's still chasing a ton. And the difference now, though, is he's not impacting the baseball nearly as much. His exit velos are way down, chase rate is still high, and his in-zone whiff has gone up several percent as well, swinging strike rate up as well. I I think he's in his head at this point. He seems like a guy that's just lost at the plate, and it's really tough to see. That's one of your top prospects, uh, consensus almost top 50 guy coming into this year, just about no matter where you look, and just has not been good. I will say he has battled some injuries this year, and that could have an effect on all this, and that could kind of speak to the exit velos a little bit, but the approach is still pretty rough, and he's seeing better secondary stuff and more secondary stuff, and as a result, he's been struggling. There has been some signs of life over his last 15, 16 games or so. He's hit about 240, hit three home runs, and has been slightly more patient, but there's definitely reason for concern around Luis Matos, but the good news is he's just 20 years old and has a lot of time to work it out. Whereas a guy like Heliot Ramos, what's going on with him? Another player that has taken a big step back. And we saw him in the early parts of this year make some appearances at the big league level for the Giants, though he probably wasn't ready. I was saying for a while that they rushed him to AAA last year. But he's been even worse this year in AAA. 
He's really struggled as much as anybody at that level. 216, 306, 318 in what is an extremely hitter-friendly league will result in a 59 WRC+. And it's wild because, again, I talked about how Ramos was fast-tracked to triple, probably rushed there, but now about to turn 23 years old in his second stint at AAA, you'd expect him to improve. He's actually taken a step back from last year's numbers, and that is extremely concerning for a guy that was perceived as a big part of their future and a guy that they did not really want to dangle too much in trade talks over the last couple years and now somebody that probably most teams don't have that much interest in chase rate high in zone whiff extremely high and the swinging strike rate that goes with that high so there is not a lot to get excited about here with Ramos and while he is still relatively young he has so many ABs now in the upper minors and continues to regress there is large reason for concern with Ramos as well Hunter Bishop a former first round pick 2019 by the Giants has just dealt with a ton of injuries through the early part of his professional career But I didn't really like the pick at the time, and it really just does not look like it's going to get too much better. This is the best stretch we've seen from him, and it's just because he's on the field. In 76 games, he has hit 13 home runs, but he's 24 in high A and striking out 33% of the time. This was a player that was drafted with the goal of developing him, a former football player, insane athlete, really exciting tools. When you add a player like this to your organization, you are betting on your development system. This is not somebody that has developed very well and is now looking like a potential organizational guy for them at this point, which is very sad and tough to see from a former number 10 overall pick. But staying on the the theme of first-round picks, how about the catchers? Right, We've talked about Joey Bart a ton, and I've talked about how I have not loved Joey Bart as a prospect and don't really see how he fits in long term and never really imagined him as a top 100 guy. But Patrick Bailey was seemingly the hope to replace him, the hope to be the player that they hit on with the catching position after missing with Bart, presumably, who has been playing a bit better as of late. But I think over the last year or so, the Giants started to realize that You know, maybe they do need some other catchers in the org. And they went best player available when they took Bailey. I don't know if they had the concerns in 2020 around Joey Bart, but it was a bit of a head scratcher that they decided to go catcher when they already had Bart. So maybe there were already some internal doubts that they were hiding or, you know, containing well, or they did take the best player available that they thought was Patrick Bailey at the time out of NC State, a switch hitting catcher. And Bailey has not been good. After earning a promotion to high A, Bailey really struggled there last year and was sent back down to low A, where he hit well. So if you look at the numbers from last year, I think natural, conventional thinking, our brains see low A, then high A. We figure, oh, he was in low A, did well, and then just didn't quite make the adjustment to high A. No, he actually went up and then back down. And while he put up some really good numbers down there in low A, he's now back in high A for 2022. And... It just has not been great for him. He's been above average offensively. If you want to try to spin it positively through WRC+, 106 WRC+. But he's hitting 210, 331, 397. He has the 10 home runs. He is walking at a 16% clip, which I think is really 
buoying that WRC plus and of course the on base percentage. I don't think he's going to walk 16% of the time at the double A level. It's, it's more of just a more advanced 23 year old who put up good numbers in the ACC, just waiting out and having a good eye against what is more inexperienced, lower level pitching. The, the glove has come along. It's not bad, but if he was an elite defender, maybe I could be more patient about the lack of offensive output overall. It just, he just doesn't really seem to excel in one specific area. 23 years old, still in high a, not putting up great numbers, hoping that the defense continues to get better, but as a switch hitter who produces below average exit velos and roughly average contact rates, he's going to need to be a pretty good defensive catcher, and right now he's more on the average side, so Bailey not necessarily heading in the right direction either, and I'm really, I don't enjoy this because I usually like talking about the positives and propping up players. And I'm not trying to bash these individual players. It's more about the, the organization because we've always celebrated the Giants as this forward thinking org. And I think they are in a lot of ways. They do a lot of things really well. We saw them win 106 games last year, but they've taken a big step back at the big league level this year. And you can see the struggles trickling all the way down to the lower levels of the minor leagues on the positive side when healthy. We've seen Marco Luciano look really good, and Luciano has continued to improve in the bat-to-ball department, but he's also a freak. He's kind of in that Kyle Harrison department where how much are you teaching him versus how much is he just developing on his own because he is spectacular. Luciano continues to battle injuries over the last couple years, dealing with a back issue right now. That's a concern, but in terms of what he has done when he's on the field, looks really darn good, and that's an exciting bat that should be a big part of their future should he be able to stay healthy and continue his development. But let's get to the pitching side of things because it's not much better as of late. Uh, they've had some emergent prospects, but I want to focus on some of their early picks over the last couple of years that just have not been great. How about Matt Mikulski, left-handed pitching prospect out of Fordham, who I-, I do like. I think he's got a chance to be good, but man, the numbers have just not been great for him in the early going, struggling with missing bats, giving up 75 hits in 70 and two-thirds innings. The stuff, if anything, has ticked down a bit, averaging about 90 miles per hour on the fastball. The slider is pretty solid, and that's his best pitch in the low 80s, and then mixes in a changeup that has just not been good for him at 80 to 82 miles per hour. And Mikulski was the 50th overall pick in the draft and just has not really progressed much. He's in low A as a 23-year-old and has a 5.6 ERA. Also still in that rotation is is Will Bednar, a first-round pick from that same draft in 2021, the 14th overall selection, which it was surprising to see Bednar go that early. Bednar is still just 22 years old, but he is still in low A, which you don't really see too often from a first-round college pitcher. Bednar's numbers strikeout-wise are okay. He's striking out nearly 28% of batters, but at the same time, walking 12%, a 4.19 ERA, a 6.23 FIP. So another player that it doesn't look like the Giants are in any rush to promote. That's your first two picks in last year's draft. Both pitchers, both not progressing really at all. If anything, doing worse than you would have hoped. And also a lot of the bats are struggling. And I could probably highlight even more guys. I mean, Luis Toribio is someone that I know a lot of people were hoping would make a leap. Jairo Pomares is heating up. That is good news. But I want to finish with the positive here and some of the cards that I would invest in in this system overall. But I'll highlight a couple positive pitchers. Somebody I like is Nick Swinney, who has pretty much leapfrogged Matt Mikulski now. He's in high A, lefty, similar low 90s fastball, 
but a good changeup, a good curveball. And despite the lack of fastball velo, it has some ride to it, some invisibility to it. And in 69 innings, he's pitched to a 3.65 ERA, and he has struck out 83 in those 69 frames, walking 36. Walks are a little bit high, but overall, missing bats and limiting damage. Only three home runs surrendered on the year, and only 48 hits allowed. One other guy that I actually watched a bit on the Cape and was really impressed with, and this was a pick that I very much was a fan of by the Giants, in 2021's draft is Mason Black, right-hander out of Lehigh. He was selected in the third round. Lively fastball, good changeup, and a pretty good slider. He has been very solid in high A. He's a right-hander. He's striking out about 26% of batters. Has pitched to a 3.86 ERA, walking about 8%. Fastball has ticked up a bit to the 94 to 96 range with some life and also has a couple secondaries that are not bad, as I mentioned. Let's talk about some of the hitters, and I'm going to circle back to Casey Schmidt here on the eBay side of things, too, because his card is an absolute steal, and and I really like Casey Schmidt as a potential big league shortstop. He was a two-way player at San Diego State as a closer for them, as well as a starting third baseman. He only played six games at shortstop in his entire collegiate career, and those were in 2018. So he really never played out there. And if I remember correctly on our Cape team, the Katua Kittleers, I think maybe one game at short and an absolute pinch. But when I watched the video, this guy has been nasty out there. His arm strength is crazy because he could reach up to 95 on the mound. So he is making crazy backhand throws that you just don't think can get to first base in time. And then boom, they do. His range is impressive. His actions are smooth. He's got all of the different arm angles in the bag. He's just a great athlete who has made that move really easily. So I think that he's a long-term shortstop now from what we have seen defensively and how naturally he is able to play there. So that's interesting because now he's not a third baseman where there's even more pressure on the bat. And I like the bat. I think it's a low 800s OPS you can hope for, maybe high 700s, which at, at third base is a little bit less enticing, but as a good defensive shortstop, that's very solid. And there's some similarities to Dansby Swanson here in some ways, and I think there could be some similar offensive upside as well. Schmidt has a pretty good feel to hit. He's going to swing and miss a little bit. He had 22% K rate in high A, but 11% walk rate, 17 homers at 273, 363, 474. Just gets the bump up to double A. But in terms of his cards, you can get his Bowman Chrome Auto on eBay right now for $15 on graded. $15. You're not going to find many Bowman Chrome Autos, period. I, I've seen Jake Sanford cards that minor leaguer in the Yankee system who was released for stealing from his teammates and now plays indie ball go for around 10 to $12 still. That is as cheap of a Bowman Chrome Auto as you're going to get, and this dude has a legitimate chance to be a big league piece for them. Second round pick in the 2020 draft, 49th overall, has started to tap into more power and is accommodating that shortstop move there. I'm a huge fan of his card. At $15, I've been scooping up as many as I can, and even buying some of the rarer colors, the Bowman Chrome Autos out of 250 out of 150 because they're all still $50, $60 for his rarer cards. I will take that any day of the week for a guy that I think will be a big leaguer in some capacity and definitely could be a starting shortstop if he continues to hit the way I think he can hit because I don't really have many questions now 
about the glove at short. I, I'm a believer of Casey Schmidt, the shortstop. I'm a believer in Casey Schmidt, the shortstop, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to him about it next week. One other player I like in this giant system who looks pretty good and should be but potentially a top 100 candidate maybe by next year is Averson Arteaga, who was signed for a million dollars as an international free agent back in 2019 and has a powerful swing from the right side for his size, has tapped into some of that power already, but has more in there. In low A, 11 home runs in 98 games, but also has a little bit of speed that he can mix in there. There's 20-20 potential here. Exit velos are already above average, especially for his age, and he has more room to fill out. There's above average power to dream on with plus speed, or at least borderline plus speed. His Bowman Chromatos are actually in the new set, 2022 Bowman Baseball, and you can find those on eBay. Uh, the cards for about $48 is the most recent sale, anywhere from $48 to, to $52 for his Bowman Chrome first. But if you want to go try and try your luck, That's a card if you pull it in 2022 Bowman Baseball, which you can also buy those boxes on eBay. I would hold on to it. I would hold on to Averson Arteaga because I think his price is going to go up. I do think his swing and athleticism is going to play, and he should be pretty quickly one of the better prospects in this system. We talk about shortstop depth. Outside of Casey Schmidt now, he is probably the only other shortstop that I truly do like defensively. He struggled 21 errors in 91 games in terms of the counting stats, but the tools are there. He's rangy. He's got good instincts. His arm is strong. The the actions are a bit shaky. That's really it. So he'll be just fine at shortstop. We'll stick at the position. He's still just 19 years old. So I like everything we've seen from Arteaga and the fact that his cards are either $50 or below, I would pick pick up that Bowman Chrome Auto any day of the week on eBay. Hopefully we will have Casey on the show at some point next week, but we also just dropped the Nationals top 10 prospect list. That is over at JustBaseball.com. Go check that out. If you could take a minute to rate the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple to help me grow it, share it with your friends, I'd really appreciate that. And we are very excited to, as I said, ramp up the prospect interviews in the future. If it's not Casey next week, we will fill in with another player. So if that's something that you enjoy about the show, we got more of those on the way. And then especially in the offseason, we'll have a ton. Excited to hear what you think about the Nationals top 10 prospects. That was a lot of fun updating with the obvious influx of talent over there. We'll talk to you on Monday more about prospects. As always, thank you for listening and have a great weekend. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.